Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome all to a chapter of my life with writer Mr. John Brindley. How's things, John? That's a very formal entry there. Thank you, thank you very much for that. Uh, Yeah, things things are fine, actually. Well, I like to give formal uh, entrances to all of my guests. And some of my guests I know better than other guests that I have. (laughs) But we're all friends and we're all talking about books that we've written, well, what you guys have written. We just promote them on the Curran View, our regular podcast with the Idol of Hillsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. And you wrote a book with Terry, Regrets of a Football Maverick. You've written another one with Terry, Gimme the Ball. And you've also written one with Gary Mills, Young Millsy. But before we get into your books... Let's have a bit of your background and how did you become a writer in the first place? Okay, yeah. Well, it was my career has been as a as a journalist uh, almost all the way through, or, and certainly connected with writing all the way through. So, um, I worked as a journalist primarily for a local newspaper in Loughborough, fairly near where I come from. I'm, I'm a Nottinghamshire person <coughs> by birth, but <coughs> having lived in Leicestershire most of my life. Um, and then what happened was, what to, to sort of get the entry into books was that um, 2003, four probably, um, a gentleman walked into our offices and said, "Is there anybody here who might like to write my book?" And uh, he turned out to be a doorman. He, he turned out to be a gentleman at that stage, I think, in his early 60s, and he had an interesting story. And I spoke to him and decided that I would like to to do that. And we we produced a, an interesting book uh, for for this man who was who was a an extraordinary character because he um, was still doing this job that just requires a great deal of, of bravery and fortitude in his sixties and with and doing it with with a great amount of gusto, I have to say. So that sort of started me off. And um, although I'd sort of like done other jobs in between uh, i've come back to um to writing full time in the last year partly as a result of the um, lockdown so many things or many people have benefited from the lockdown many businesses yeah. have grown and and it is a great time for somebody like yourself that writes because you have a little bit more spare time and you've got yeah you've got that blank page haven't you to just go and do whatever you want to do when you want to do because there wasn't many other places that we could go out to certainly all the pubs were closed <laughs> <laughs> yeah very true and actually you know go back to to to, to the latest um, terry book in many ways that um, everything starts out doesn't it from different points of view and when um when Terry sort of indicated that he might be interested in in writing another book, um, as I say, I wrote the um, Regrets of a Football Maverick with him sort of seven or eight years ago. It was really like a oh this for me anyway. Um, oh, this is a lockdown project. Yeah. Uh, this is something that gets me out of the house. Um, 
which is you know something to do some something to aim for and it was just after that really that i decided that actually i wanted to sort of do this a bit more and to uh, make it my full-time work so uh, to use a football phrase that sort of kicked it off yeah Uh, working with terry again was the first one and in the last year, um, I've been sort of busy writing altogether three books, um, one on Terry, one, as you say, on Gary Mills, who um, another sort of famous former Nottingham Forest man, and uh, also a professional boxer called Steve Ward, who's got a remarkable story. So I've had like um, a very interesting year, um, not a year that's produced like... Um, instant revenue because work needed to be done on all three books before that could possibly happen but certainly a time which has had a lot of fulfillment in it and um you know which i'm really pleased about how did you come across terry curran in the first place to write regrets of a football maverick because that was published by vertical editions which is a local sheffield uh organization publishing company This latest yeah. project and and group of books with Terry and Gary has been published by Morgan Lawrence Publishing. Um, yeah. Have they published the boxing book as well, or or have you gone and had to go to a different <clears throat> publisher because these are both football books? And mm-hmm. by the looks of it, Morgan Lawrence specialises in football books and, and mainly Leicester and Nottingham Forest. <laughs> I think. That's possibly a little bit misleading because Morgan Lawrence has has only been in existence for a a relatively short time. So the first books have been on those on the lines that you've just been stating. Yes. And reflect perhaps the interests and experience of of the people concerned, which sort of tends to point towards football and, you know, the two clubs that you've just mentioned. But It certainly isn't sort of um, going to be confined to that in future. Um, the, 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 the business, which I'm sort of like, an, if you like, freelance part of, uh, is looking to write books on, you know, anything that really is a, of, uh, of marketable value. Yeah. So other sports, you know, you know as well as I do that obviously football is the main sport in terms of, of terms of books but by no means the only one. Um, and, you know, also they look, they look on the lookout for, you know, celebrities and people with a story. So anything that is, is uh, you know, would sell and be a value we're interested in doing. Now, the first question you asked there was about the, the boxing book. And actually, um, that is being done by Vertical Editions. Right, okay. So, so I had... Um, you asked, you asked also about Terry and how that came about, and it's actually an interesting. It is an interesting story because um, if you first go back to where I heard of Terry Curran, I can. This is a, a strange thing for me to have such a precise memory, but it is actually true. Um, we, I was um, with on a family holiday um, in Wales as a, as a youngster, basically. And um, I list, and being a sort of football mad person, I'm never far away from hearing about football news. <laughs> and the radio was on, and um, I heard that Nottingham Forest had signed this player called Terry Curran from Doncaster Rovers. Yeah. And um, perhaps being a little bit more interested in football than I should have been, 
I, I was very uh, concerned that oh, we need to get back on, we need to get back in home to to see this guy play and to see Forrest play on Saturday, right? And fortunately, my father was perhaps as just as interested in football as I am, and we did that. And I watched the game. He, he played he played for Forest against Notts County at the City Ground. And although it wasn't a good day for us from the point of view that actually Forest lost the game, um, Terry was outstanding. <clears throat> he was he was the best player on the pitch, and he became my sort of favourite player um, during a spell that people don't sort of remember quite so well. People remember obviously the time when Forest was so successful and won the first division and two European Cups and things like that. They perhaps don't remember quite the period just before that when they were trying to sort of, you know, sort of stabilise and then get out of the second division. And and Terry was with Forrest during that time and it was really a, a shining light. And at one stage, um, as he as he sort of said in the books, um, he was the most exciting player at Nottingham Forest. Yeah. He was the player that had people on their feet and. And John Robertson was more, at that stage, like a part-time. No, he was more a sort of peripheral figure uh, and not the, the sort of dominant one that um, we all remember. So, so then going, going further sort of into, into, into time and, and um, obviously beyond Terry's career, <clears throat> I'd, I'd written a book um, on the chairman of Doncaster Rovers, John Ryan, which was the first sort of sports book that I'd written. And I was working for the uh, Football League paper. And uh, I was working at a game at uh, Chesterfield at the old Saltergate ground, which is one of the quirkiest football grounds and much missed in some respects. Um, And at half time, we went into this small room for cake and sandwiches, which is really quite one of the best things about going to Chesterfield at the time. And I heard these journalists talking about Terry Curran. <clears throat> and they said, that he's applied to become manager of Sheffield Wednesday. It's unbelievable. What, you know, what, what on earth is he doing? And I thought, but I thought, I took a completely different tack on it. I thought, well, that's really interesting. And you know what? I'd really like to speak to, them, speak to him, um, you know, about other things. And uh, I, contacted, I contacted someone I thought would know him. And it went from there. And uh, it, it's fair to say that his first reaction wasn't, you know, yes, yes, let's do it. He sort of took a little bit of persuading, but eventually we got there. And what a fantastic guy, I've got to say. What a fantastic yeah. guy Terry Curran is. I mean, the yeah. way I come across Terry was around about the time that Regrets for Football Maverick had come out. And through right. Facebooks and social media, um, yeah. I'd noticed this fella, Terry Curran, and I remember watching as a kid Star Soccer and Hugh Johns mm. identifying this rebellious type of figure, <laughs> Terry Curran. And it's a name <laughs> yeah, that yeah. always stuck with me because he yeah. he was different to other football players. Yeah, he had that, yeah. that wavy black hair and that little kind of yeah. tosh and mm. he played with a swagger and he was a winger and he mm. kicked people and... and he was he was horrible, you know, for the defenders because he he'd give back mm. just as what he was given. So mm. as a, as a young impressionable kid watching Star Soccer, and you're right, Forest wasn't that team that they become. I think did they have a, a Barry Butlin up front for them? Yeah, uh, in, in I, the think, top? I think 
Yeah, I think actually um, Barry Butlin, um, Forrest um, won their first couple of games under Brian Clough, won in the FA Cup famously at Spurs. Barry Butlin, I believe, scored the winner in the first league game that they yeah. played under Clough. But as you know, Brian uh, Barry Butlin was pretty much a journeyman striker, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Um, I don't remember who, much of him, John. I just remember no. Curran that you, Johns, were saying, and, and I'm sure there was a Barry but because I thought as a kid, Butlin's holiday camp, and you're watching <laughs> Forrest, and, and then I think yeah. it, it, Cluffy probably was the manager at that time. Well, he would have been, because he, he was, signed yeah. Terry. So, you know yeah. of Brian Clough as a kid, because of what he'd done at Derby, and, and then he had yeah. that situation at Brighton. So, you know, he was in our front room, and then yeah. Forrest was, it was Birmingham City, Aston Villa and West Bromwich Albion, of course, in the West Midlands. But Star Soccer always took games from the East Midlands as well. And obviously yes. yeah. Derby it was ATV, County. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, ATV. Yeah. Derby County and Nottingham Forest was the t- and Leicester City were the t- three premier sides from the east yeah. side of, of the uh, of the county. So again, Terry was very prominent for me. Growing up as well, yeah, and I mean, there was this incredible spell where, um, and it's and you know what, D- despite all the glories they had, sort of in the subsequent years, um, this spell remains sort of like in my memory because it was unique. It was uh, four goals against Hereford, followed by five goals against uh, Carlisle United, then six goals against Sheffield United. And if you ever want to see exciting football, um, go onto YouTube and and look up Nottingham Forest 6, Sheffield United 1, and look at Terry's contribution to that game, which was absolutely outstanding. He scores one goal, and I think he sets up sort of two or three. And you do get, you really get a sense of what the guy was about. And we, we went down to the next game, and you know, you know what football fans are like. There's a bit of there's a bit of sort of banter and a bit of sort of humour around, and, and you're thinking, we've won seven, you know, we've had four, five, and six. We're gonna we're gonna beat uh, Burnley seven, right? And this was this was a very very sad occasion in many respects because uh, Forrest went two nil up inside the, the first sort of quarter of an hour, and Terry scored one of the goals, yeah. and then he was he was injured in like an accidental um, collision, basically. Uh, involving uh, Paul Fletcher and a misplaced pass from John McGovern. Um, you know, all very innocent sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. of course, we we had no idea, you know, how badly injured he actually was. You saw him taken off, and you, you worried about him. But we didn't really realise that 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 was going to have a massive effect on his career and you know the, the, his his time with Nottingham Forest. Um, Brian Clough very famously told uh, John Lawson, who was the prominent sort of reporter at the time at Nottingham, at the Nottingham Post, um, that promotion has just limped out of the door. Yeah. That was when Terry Curran had, you know, walked out, well, had basically come out of the city ground on crutches. Uh, he was out for sort of several months and never really actually regained his his spot in the in the forest side. There's, there's a big story about that and. You can read about that in, in Give Me the Ball. Um, but, you know, it's fair to say that Nottingham Forest were a tremendous side. And, you know, 
as a forest supporter myself, I appreciate all that. But there are certain times when you look back on it in, in retrospect and, in, you know, and you think, who were the people that really excited you? Um, and yeah, yeah, Pete, John Robertson really excited me as the footballer. Trevor Francis at times excited me as the footballer. Having Peter Shilton in goal was like a, a masterclass in front of your eyes, really. Mm. But nobody, in my view, sort of has got people off their feet as much at Nottingham Forest as Terry and uh, Duncan McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, you know, remember Duncan sort of like just prior to um, Brian Clough becoming manager. And in fact, he, he became one of uh, Brian's signings at Leeds, didn't yeah, he? He did, yeah. And he used to jump over minutes it, before the game. <laughs> yeah. And he was such a, you know, Duncan McKenzie um, playing in a pretty poor Nottingham side yeah. was just thrilling. Um, you know, I remember, you know, again, like a, a memory of a game that was absolutely nothing game. It was a, it was a county cup game at City Ground. These days, they don't even play the county cup anymore. But it was a Forest versus Notts County. No, no one's really bothered who wins that game, to be honest with you. I'm sure the players aren't, aren't sort of like 100% into it either. But Duncan McKenzie was like doing things, showing off skills that you think, wow, yeah. you know, it, you know, pushing the ball through somebody's legs, waiting for them to catch up with him, then doing it again. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, there's so much that you see in football that sort of you, you pretty much forget almost instantly. You don't, you don't sort of like spend a lot of time sort of eulogising over grinding out a one nil win and things like that. Yeah. But you remember sort of like outstanding pieces of skill. And Duncan and Terry, and the other person I'm going to mention here, which, which I, I didn't, I didn't unfortunately get the, the chance to see, but I know was of the same ilk, was Ian Moore. Yeah, story. Who was also a great former Forest player. Yeah. And those, those were the players in my mind that lifted, you know, got people off their seats. And it, it's very, it is extremely rare. I think you're absolutely right. You know, when you're looking at Forest, um, and you, yeah. when you're looking at any team, it's those maverick type of players those exciting yeah. type of players, those players that done things that others wouldn't even think about doing, but did yeah. it with a style and a swagger. And you're mm. right, they got bums off seats. And of course, in those days, mm. it was terraces, but they got us excited. They got up, give him the ball, give him the ball. And again, hence the title with Terry Curran, because that's what yeah, Terry yeah. used to say in every dressing room. Give me the ball, just mm. give me the ball. And that's absolute mm. bravery in players, because... It's not always mm. that every player wants that ball, but those types mm. of players, your Duncan McKenzie's, your Ian Story Moores, your Terry Curran's, them are the brave players. Those are the players yeah. that want yeah. that ball and excite you. Well, the, 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 the thing about Brian Clough was he, he was willing to accept um, people making mistakes because people Absolutely. do make mistakes. Yeah. You know, No one ever makes mistakes on purpose. It's just one of those things. But what he wasn't willing to forgive was anybody who wasn't prepared to take responsibility. Yeah. So in other words, somebody who would hide, somebody who didn't want the ball, somebody who, who you know, sort of would make excuses and, and keep out of it when the going went tough. Well, Terry was the opposite. And, you know, as a winger, sometimes sometimes wingers aren't the bravest, weren't known as the bravest players. Yeah. But he was. He was a, Absolutely. Um, you know, he was a brave player. And, and I think, you know, you, you mentioned the word maverick then, and, and um, 
it's, it is correct. And I think that Brian Clough recognised something in Terry Curran because obviously, you know, we, we don't need to, to prove this, do we? Brian Clough was a maverick. Oh, absolutely. But he was the, the biggest maverick yeah. ever. Clough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the word maverick can be misleading in some respects because, to be honest with you, it, it, it isn't that people like Terry and people like Brian Clough and people like Alan Hudson are like off the wall. It's just the fact that, they, that part of them does things differently and sees things in a different way. And it doesn't mean that they're irresponsible. It doesn't mean that they're not effective. So, for example, you know, um, Terry was not a maverick in the sense that he trained very hard. He didn't, he didn't sort of, you know, make, make excuses and not go training or train half-heartedly. He didn't go out on the pitch and leave anything out there. He, 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 he put in 100%. I'm convinced he put in 100% for every club he played for. Yeah. So those, those traits are exactly the, the, the mainstream traits, if you like. What he, what, he, what he had and what, you know, Alan Hudson had and Charlie George and Stan Bowles and people like that was just outstanding ability. And, and maybe an ability also to see things that other people didn't see. Absolutely. And so I think, you know, do you see what I mean? I think the word maverick can be sort of used almost as a, as a deprecating um, comment to put somebody down. And it's not, it's not right. It's, um, it's really someone, someone different. That's what he was. My, and is. Yeah. My understanding of the word maverick is genius. And yes, a yeah, maverick, that's a good, yeah. A maverick yeah. is a player, you're absolutely spot on, that sees things differently, that does yeah. things differently, yeah. that coaches yeah. and managers can't really control and the good yeah. ones don't want to control them because they just yeah. say, go out and yeah. play and when you come yeah. off the pitch, we'll all smile together. And those yeah. are the players that put smiles on the faces, put fans into football grounds yeah. and the mavericks are the entertainers and they are the reason why me and others love the game of football, fell in love with it and watch it to this day for a player to get the ball and do something Mm. special. And something special is what these books are. And regrets of a football maverick, I have to say, what an absolutely fantastically written book. And Thank you. when Thank you, you read it from cover to cover, you instantly fall in love with the character, that character being Terry Curran, our friend, and what a fantastic yeah. person he is. And yeah. the time that TC gives to others is, uh, is, is second to none. And I have to yeah. say the same with Alan Hudson. Both of those yeah. players, totally different class totally mm. great players and uh, mm. and I love reading about them and give me the ball I have got it signed by TC and I look forward to reading that from cover to cover let's talk mm. about the Gary Mills book um, now yeah. how did you get involved with Gary was it when he was doing his gardening or was that some other fella <laughs> <laughs> No, I, t- I tell you, I tell you how that happened. I mean, I'd, I'd come across, I'd come across Gary every, occasionally um, through sort of doing some work. I still do, I still do do some freelance work for the 
a, a newspaper called the Non-League Paper. Right, okay, I know uh, it. Yeah, yeah. And Gary, through, throughout most of his sort of managerial career, which is still happening, which is still going now, um, has been a manager in non-league football, not because he sort of intended that to happen, it's just the way the way it's happened. So I remember sort of interviewing him uh, when he was like Tamworth manager, for example, and probably another, say, one or two times. I'm not 100% certain, but each time I spoke to him, I got this impression of a really, really uh, polite and honourable type of guy, and I'm very impressed with him. And then what happened was, and this this was... Um, this was very much on the on the sort of cusp of the of the lockdown. Obviously, we didn't know that at the time. But I was in at an event at um, Trent Bridge. Um, it should have been at the City Ground, but the City Ground was busy. And there was this. Uh, it was a, it was an excellent event actually. It was um, a charity event raising money for basically for a form of Alzheimer's. And uh, so there's a lot of and and we're talking about a, a local character who was connected with Nottingham Forest called John Hazeldine. And there was a lot of former Forest players there, including Gary. And myself and my wife were on the same table as him. And at at one point during the evening, he got up and just sort of had a quick chat with him. And again, we thought, well, what a a lovely guy this is. Uh, So, so polite. So, you know, so naturally sort of friendly. Um, And I thought to myself, I wonder if he has written a book. And um, I, I consulted a, a friend of mine uh, called Mike West. And Mike West told me, oh, he's, 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 in the, he's in the process of writing one now. So I thought, well, so that was it. You know, like that's, that, that idea was a bit, bit in the dust. Nothing lost, but, you know, he's, he's obviously doing something different. And then sort of probably if you sort of go on, say, another sort of five or six months, um, I got a phone call out of the blue from Mike saying, oh, I've got a book for you. (laughs) Oh, what's that then? He says, "Uh, Gary Mills. I said, I thought you thought you said that Gary was already working with someone. He said, yeah, it's sort of fallen through and uh, he he needs to, um, he was looking for someone else to to work with, looking for a forest, someone, a writer and a forest supporter. Well, I said, well, I qualify on those two. (laughs) And, um, I got in touch with Gary, and it was it was it was one of those things that, again, was like really very smooth. Um, it was very it, no, there was no, it, it just happened very easily, and you know what, Gary, Gary and Terry are not similar to people in some respects, but they have that they have similar traits in their professionalism, and Gary is the type of guy who, um, is a real role model for for all footballers really. Um, he is the ultimate professional, and the 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 type of guy who um, he is totally unaffected by you know what is achieved in in the game. So he's he is the humble family guy that he always was. Um, brought up with a really sort of close Northamptonshire family, and a, a really a really sort of like. Um, if he took away, you know, all he achieved in football, the type of guy that, um, you know, 99 out of 100 people would just say, well, what a great guy, you know. Um, he just just got those qualities. He's, he's, been, um, he's been a total delight to work with. Um, 
his story obviously isn't just Nottingham Forest, but it started off with, you know, his extraordinary sort of introduction to the Forest first team uh, at the age of 16, uh, winning the European Cup sort of uh, a couple of years later, and playing and you know sort of played a big part at Leicester City and, and other clubs as well. So he, he and now in management. Um, yeah, a, a terrific guy. An absolutely fantastic career. That, yeah. As you say, in 78, made his Forest debut. Um, yeah, I was there. And then went over to Seattle, yeah. uh, played yeah. on loan at Derby and played against Forest. And that story's in the <laughs> book. Went back to Forest. Yeah. Did he play one period at Forest or two period? That's in the book uh-huh. as well. Uh, it Not- is, yeah. Yeah, Notts County, an absolute Leicester legend. And then back yeah. to Notts County. And then played through the leagues for various non-league sides and then went into management. But, yes. you know, he's the kind of archetypal boy next door, isn't he? He's that, he is, very that, much that, that yeah. That yeah. homegrown, talented kid that, that grew up loving football because, of course, his dad yeah. was a pro, wasn't he? Yeah, his dad was, uh, Rowley was uh, one of Northampton Town's, um, he, he played, he, he's, some, he's high up the list of appearance holders for Northampton yeah. Town, put it that way, very, very popular guy apparently, and uh, you know, Gary sort of spent a lot of his childhood watching watching Northampton Town, and um, yeah, he is, I'd, I'd imagine that at school there might have been quite a lot of people who, who Probably didn't take to Gary too much because he was too good. Yeah, and too good looking like, as well, wasn't he? He's one of them kids. A good looking yeah, lad, yeah, yeah. great footballer, yeah, yeah. bloody good at cricket, great at golf, pulls all the birds. You think, I'm going to invite him to the party. <laughs> you've got to find a chink in his armour somewhere, haven't yeah. you? But there wasn't one. I mean, he, he literally, I mean, he, he's a very, very, very unusual. He, he, he thinks this is a record. It may well be a record. He, he scored a goal at uh, Wembley, he scored a goal at Wembley for England schoolboys, um, but he's also scored a try at Twickenham. Wow! For, for England schoolboys as well, so he's actually playing for two sets of England schoolboys at the same time. Blimey, and he was also he... like the sixth fastest uh, cross-country runner in the in the country as well. Wow! Which is, which is quite ridiculous, isn't it? So, so basically, Northampton Saints would have liked him to to turn professional and play for them. Uh, he could have possibly been an athlete, but he now it wasn't the case quite the same as with Terry. He wasn't beguiled by Brian Clough because Gary, being a, a few years younger, hadn't got that, quite the same knowledge of, of Brian Clough when he first went there. But the club sort of was good to him when they scouted him and, and made him welcome there. Yeah. And then Brian Clough, you know, sort of influenced. Uh, reinforced it and he, he fell in love really with with the club and it was like a, a no-brainer his decision was I'm going to play football and I'm going to play for this particular club and it turned out to be a good decision and he made his Forest debut as a, as a reserve player age 14 didn't he yeah he did I mean he says he says he told he told me that you know he's, he's like um was training with the youth team mm-hmm. and um one day so the, so apparently there was like two adjoining pitches and there's a there's a youth on 
one side and there's a first team on the other. And suddenly Brian Clough comes up to him and says, in his, his famous draw, you know, something on the case of young man, come and train with us. And he, and he goes and trains with uh, the, with this sort of tremendous side, basically, that was beginning to take shape. And apparently got introduced to the realities of uh, professional football by crunching tackle by Larry Lloyd, uh, who didn't like this young man sort of uh, beating him and making him look a bit of a fool. So, yeah, he, st- he, he played central league football at the age of 14. You're quite right. And at that stage, you know, a lot of people nowadays probably not too familiar with reserve team football in the Central League. But you were talking about a really good league at that time yeah, where, you know, literally the, the, the players who didn't make the 12, um, you know, for the first team were, were playing. And he played against the top players at, um, you know, his, his Central League debut was against Liverpool, which included some well-known players. And then, he played against the likes of Colin Bell at Man City at Main Road, and he, he, yeah, he, he was he he played at that level, and then he got this very he was as surprised as anyone when suddenly at the age of sixteen he was he was called to attend the Forest uh, meeting on a Friday afternoon, uh, where Brian Clough used to announce the team to everybody, and found that his name was read out, and he was playing against the, the the team he supported as a boy, Arsenal, at the City Ground, and he did well. It was a, it was again, it was a successful debut for him. It's quite incredible, and you know when when you look at it now, sadly when you're watching the Premier League, a lot of these uh, yeah. st- statistics and and um, different facts and feats are eroded. It it didn't yeah. it didn't happen before 1992. But but Gary was one of the <laughs> youngest players to play in the football league, and it's at 14 yeah. to play against men. And I, I've I've always been of this belief that football teams need reserves when you're yeah, playing yeah. 16s, 18s, and then 23s. Yeah. You're playing in the same age group, and there's not an awful lot on it. Yeah. But I remember interviewing Brian Little. He played for uh, for Brian, of course, at, at Leicester, and Brian was yeah. telling me how. How important yeah. it was to to be a young kid, being in the dressing yeah. room of men and and playing a game, yeah. even though it was a reserve game, where there was summer on it, because players yeah. didn't get that much money in those days. Well, and if you want, it's, it's interesting. Team, you were talking. Yeah. I was talking to Terry earlier on about it, and this this subject came up, which mm. is, you know, the the fact that there's such a massive gulf in the professional game between yeah. the first team and what is now like under twenty one football. Absolutely. And, you know, sort of teams get, you get squads where you've got, um, I mean, I think in both the Premier League and the EFL now, you've got a, a squad, you have to name a squad of 25, don't you? Yeah. Uh, well, to have that 25-man squad, you're obviously then going to have a choice of several more players who might have made that squad but don't. Mm. And what happens to these players, you know? they In the olden days, they would have been, they would have been playing in the, in, in these, reserve side but they, there is no reserve side and they, they, some of them are they're not sort of minded to want to play for the under 21s and there's restrictions on the number of players over the age of 21 who can play in it anyway and, and you know it's reserve team football or the fact there's no reserve team football 
I think is a huge loss in the modern game. Um, I, I just think I think that I think that football's missed a trick. I think that you know in in today's in, to, in today's environment where it's just like you know you could be you could be on a in a waiting list for ten years to get a, a season ticket to, to Arsenal or Man United or something like that. If there was a reserve team, you, you'd be getting you'd be getting fifteen thousand at Old Trafford. Absolutely, and, uh, you, you, and a you, great you, introduction actually, as a kid. Yeah, and you get sort of people's opp- opportunity to watch games that they don't get. You know, there's so many people nowadays, aren't there? That you know, they they say, "Oh yeah, I support Man United, I support Man City." They never what they've never been to watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, these matches are all sold out. Um, you know. There's so many season ticket holders that you can't you can't get snap up the, the remaining tickets. Do you see what I mean? It's Absolutely. like um, it's. You know, I just I just I just feel as though it's a massive loss. I do, and there's lots of players, particularly in in the Premier League, which is you know in old money it was the first division, that don't yeah. play against the bloke in a proper game. Until they're probably yeah. twenty-two or twenty-three. Now Gary played at the age of sixteen. He played in yeah. Seattle when he was yeah. twenty, yeah. twenty-one, and broke yeah. his leg. Now yeah. I watched a podcast with Gary, and he said, "Excuse me, I've just got to go to my draw." And he pulled yeah. out this metal yeah. rod, and I thought it was a weapon. <laughs> to think that that was inserted in a leg. And, and he was only a kid when he was out there in Seattle as well. So, you know, yeah, the experience yeah. that, that he, he got through yeah. growing up in the reserve and going into the first team, going away in America as a kid yeah. and, and, and all of that, his, his football education, you can't yeah. buy that. And kids today don't get that education. And I think it is no. a, a great grounding. Yeah, it is a great game. I mean, he also, he played, of course, with Huddy at, um, did at Seattle, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he did, yeah. And he played, he played in the uh, in the final of the Soccer Bowl against the New York Cosmos with some very famous players playing for them. Bayskins was certainly one of them. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't... I mean, you'll have to read... It, it, it's a, another invitation, really, to read the book, how the how the um, time in, in America came about. Yeah. I don't believe, actually, that it was entirely sort of, um, let's get him some more experience. It, it was one of those things that, that happened, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he and uh, Peter Ward went out there. Peter Ward never came back. He sort of like, he, that way he, he left Forest and, uh, you know, played for Seattle full-time. Gary had two seasons out there. One... Uh, very successful, reaching the soccer ball final. The other one just ill-fated, you know. He, he yeah. as you say, he suffered that. It was a bad broken leg too. It was, uh, which kept him out for a good year, and and made it very hard for him to to get back. But you know, he he earned he earned the respect of those Forest lads by the by the way he worked to get himself back, and uh, you know, then went on to play. Um, in, in the, probably the, the forest side that forest side that people don't really remember quite so much because obviously, you know they did you know they won the European Cups and then they never regained that that sort of status which, but let's face it, is virtually impossible to to attain again. 
but he, he had two, he's had two or three very good years at Forest in, in what we call his second spell. And then um, after Notts County, which was an interesting move to go to Notts, he went to Leicester, as you said, and I think, you know, he's, he's a Leicester City legend. And the reason why he's a Leicester City legend, and we're talking about playing in, in a side that was a second, well, you know, the equivalent of a championship side rather than um, a Premier League side, was, again, because of his attitude and because he immediately hit it off with the supporters. The supporters know, always knew when Gary Mills was playing that they were getting value. They were getting 100%. Uh, he... You know, you, you, it just it just came, it just emanated from him, and and it's a tight, it's exactly the same sort of feeling that you get when you talk to him. You know, when you're talking to Gary, that what he says he means, uh, and if he says he's going to do something, he does it, and he put he puts a hundred percent into it. He doesn't sort of like, he doesn't just you know half-heartedly try something, and, it, and he's exactly the same with the book. He's one hundred percent put effort into it, and he's doing it now. Uh, you know, to promote it when it when it does when it's it's it basically landing on these shores at any time, and um, what a, it, it was tremendous for Leicester. And it's a, you know under Brian Little. Do you remember the time where they were at Wembley every year? Yeah, and, I think they got uh, there eventually. Exams, they made it, didn't, didn't they? they? Yeah, yeah. Did I mean, they, even did as they a, beat Derby in in the, <laughs> the, the the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was a, it was a fantastic because. If you think about it, for me, from my point of view as a Forest supporter, that was like a, I've got no 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 harm really towards either Leicester or Derby, but like they're they're the sort of traditional rivals, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And here they were uh, playing at Wembley, and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't really want either to be in the in the to really to go up, but one of them's going to have to win. And uh, Gary, sadly, was. Um, not able to play because he, he got a hamstring injury. And But Brian Little pulled off a, a really superb gesture, which was to invite him to lead Leicester City out that day at Wembley. Now, Gary had played in the previous two sort of playoff finals, which were very... I mean, even as I say, watching it from a what we could call a neutral's point of view, were quite heart-wrenching because... They'd lost to Blackburn through a what we let's put it this way, a disputable penalty, and then they'd lost to Swindon the year after Glenn Hoddle's Swindon, to what wasn't just a disputable penalty, just wasn't a penalty. Um, And then they went, then they got to play Derby, and and you know there's no guarantees at all that it's it's going to end up end well. Derby actually dominated most of that game. Yeah. And then there's a great character who I've also had the honour of working with, Steve Walsh, uh, came up with two goals for Leicester and they won the game. And apparently Gary was like um, in the Radio Leicester commentary box and virtually sort of strangled um, the Leicester's commentator when they scored the winning goal. But that's his passion, you know. And... Uh, you know, he was a big part of he. He became a big part of a day that he didn't play in. Um, but it was a great it was a great thing because Leicester, you know, Leicester caught the sort of attention of a lot of people with their with their character and their determination to get promotion, um, which led to, you know, indirectly then to sort of uh, 
um, you know, better times, much better times ahead with under Martin, Martin O'Neill, and then of course much further on in the last few years where they've, well, they've, they've just been incredible, haven't they? Absolutely. So he, he's played for Martin, he's played for Brian, he's played for Ant, yeah. and he's played for, uh, for 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 Brian Clough as well. Um, but there must surely be one or two stories about Warnock in there because he played for Newell as well, <laughs> didn't he? So we, they're, they're, you've got you've got managers yeah. there. The stories in this incredible book must be phenomenal and we don't want yeah. to talk about them now because we want people to buy the book and there's also a story about the UEFA Cup as well isn't there while he was yeah, yeah. in the forest just for people the uneducated and I include myself in this why is it Nottingham Forest and Notts County why is it Nottingham Forest and Notts County yeah why don't they if you say Notts Forest oh my <laughs> life you do not say yeah. Notts Forest I, I don't Nottingham. know I mean I, I okay. just but, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying, and and it it, it definitely is Nottingham Forest. Oh, 100 percent. Definitely is Notts County. So, yeah. I think those are just the those were just the names. And so, if you if you mix the two up, but no one ever says Nottingham County. But 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 sort of some broadcasters occasionally say Notts Forest. It does sort of like, oh no, that's not us, you know. But um, yeah. The, the, so you say the UEFA Cup. Yes, there's a story about the UEFA Cup, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was, I mean, this is like this was like one of the most sort of dis, biggest disappointments for many a Forest supporter, mm. including me, was that the 1983-4 season, I think it was. And um, so, at that particular point, I mean, nowadays, you know, people sort of almost uh, treat like the uh, Europa League a little bit with disdain, as though it's like some type of, you know, totally inferior competition to the, the Champions League is the be all and end all, such as like the Premier League and the Championship regarded. Well, at that stage, like the UEFA Cup was highly regarded competition for clubs who finished sort of, you know, third or fourth in in England. So, you know, so so some of the teams that would now qualify for the Champions League would have been in that. So Forest was sort of you know, probably finished about third the previous season. They they got through two or three rounds, including Celtic, which was a massive uh, occasion. You know, uh, occasion uh, England Scotland, a game when Scottish football was really still you know at a, at a good level, very good level. So Forest won at Parkhead, um, and then they go to this semi final against a very talented Andalek side. Yeah. Um, they won a two-legged, two-legged semi-final. Uh, Gary played in both games. Um, the first game, Steve Hodge, who, you know, former Forest Aston Villa player, Who's got scored shit. two late goals um, to give Forest a two-nil lead going to Belgium. And you, and you know, from from their triumphs in Europe over the years, a two-nil victory had been very, very much a popular result for them. Mm. And they defended every two 0 that they'd had, and they went to they went to Anderlecht. And to be honest with you, were utterly outplayed, completely outplayed by Anderlecht. However, some of the decisions that were made that night were the were the you know were basically went into folklore. I mean, Gary sort of said he had a good view on one of them, which was uh, a penalty, which I think made it two 0 to Anderlecht on the night, where. Kenny Swain, um, again, a 
person with Aston Villa links there. Uh, he he didn't tackle someone on the edge of the box, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He was like he was he missed him by quite a distance, yeah. and the referee gave a penalty, and then get, so that made it two. Then they went three nil up. So now Forest are on their way out, and somehow they're gonna they can score an away goal in the last few minutes. And Gary um, got a good view of this. Um, Oh, because he took the corner, basically. It was the last minute of the game. So Forrest have been totally outplayed to get a corner. Obviously, all the players, everyone's going to go up for this corner. Gary is known as a very good crosser of the ball, and he puts over a lovely ball, which uh, Paul Hart headed firmly into the net. There was no question at all that it was a goal. And the referee basically disallowed it for a push, which didn't just didn't occur. And the referee later um, was admitted that he he had taken a you know taken a bribe, but um, you know there's there's no there's no coming back from that. I mean, the guy himself is has, has now passed away. The referee there was there was talk about compensation, but you know what what is the compensation? You know, they, those forest lads are honest footballers. It's not like you know the the the, the the situation of today where money is everything to them in in, in a sense that they wouldn't have rejected the money the money was also like almost almost a bit of an insult you know they, they never got it uh, and you could, they what they would have wanted was the medal you know was to to, to to have gone through to the final and the final was funnily enough won by Spurs Spurs beat Anderlecht yeah. in the final so Gary regards himself as like having missed out on a medal, but there's also another missing medal story there. Did you do you know about that? No, I think we'll leave that for the book because we don't want to tell <laughs> all these stories, John. We don't want to give too much away. We want yeah, that's people true. Yeah, to there's another, buy I can, the I book. can assure you there's another really, really surprising missing medal story in there as well. There are some fantastic stories of management, of players... Yeah of games, of general scenarios in the game of football, which started yeah. for Gary in 1978, and he's still going on today because he's the manager of Corby, isn't he? Yeah, and, you know, being being a, um, the type of guy he is, he's very proud of that. He's yeah. very, uh, you know, he, he, he'd been out of the game for a shortish, well, not a shortish time, I mean, a reasonable length of time, I think, after his second um, um, job at York City, a club that he has a huge amount of time for and regard for. Got him promoted, and, didn't um, he? Sorry? Got him promoted, didn't he, York City? Yeah, I mean, a big story about York. I mean, you know, you know, there's so many sides, as you know, that um, are in the, like, what we now call the National League. Then it was Absolutely. the conference who... Dropped out of the football league, and it's it must be. I mean, we we think sometimes you know you, you know supporting Midlands clubs that are dropped out of the Premier League. Well, my goodness, what a you know how awful it is. But how that doesn't compare with with dropping out of the football league altogether. Yeah. And you know, Gary sort of played a big big part. It was an inspirational part in York actually temporarily regaining their football league status a few years ago. Um it went it went sour afterwards, which is very unfortunate. Um and he also then sort of 
um, was brought back to try to rescue them from a, a another possible disaster when they were at the other end of the National League. And at, but he ended up um, he ended up actually winning two FA trophies for York, uh, which is which is you know, let's face it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't sort of the what York wanted in terms of you know compared with sort of getting back into the football league. But those York City fans who have watched their team over however many years, those are those are the times where that they actually won something. They won the FA Trophy. They went to Wembley. So these are like huge memories, aren't they? Which, yeah. which you know, Gary and his his team basically helped to create. So Gary is now, yeah, as you're saying, is, is working with Corby. And uh, last season was was well, it was what it was. You know, you you know, the, the Premier League and, and the Football League continued, but as you know, like non-league was just decimated below the National League and uh, I think his league season consisted of seven games last year and so it's almost as though he's starting again this year with Corby and Corby's an ambitious club they've been in the they've been in the Conference North in the past they they get a good crowd down there you know they're, they're enthusiastic supporters and you know they're they're fortunate also to have a guy like him as their manager because he will he will treat it. He will tr- be treating, I know, will be treating Corby as if he was managing Liverpool. That's the way he does. That's he will put everything everything into it. Absolutely, and Young Millsy, a wonderful title <laughs> given to him by His the title, Boris. by the way. Yeah, by, by, he, by the yeah. Boris, because that's what they used to call him, didn't they? Because he was yeah. such a young kid. It was Young Millsy. <laughs> I mean, he's an older well, Millsy so, now. He, he, he came out with the title for the book because that's what some of the lads still Absolutely. call him. Because, yeah. you know, to them, he like they've all grown up together and he's still young Millsy because he's slightly younger younger than them, you know. So, Well, he was born in 1961, wasn't he? On the 11th yeah. of uh, November 1961, which makes him 59. And Correct. most of those players that he's played, in fact, uh, Peter Wiz, uh, Forest legend, celebrating yeah. his 70s the other day. So, was it? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, you know, he God. was very much young Millsy, and he'll always be young Millsy. And, John, yeah. he has been a fantastic um, education for me, sir, and for all <laughs> our listeners. Well, a pleasure to talk to you as well. How can people purchase the book finally? Because having listened to all these stories, it's going to yeah. be flying off the shelf. Right. Well, with with the Terry book, uh, give me the ball. It's it, as you probably know. It's the the best the best route is to go through Terry himself. Yep. Um, Terry Curran on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, message him, and he will get all the details. With he will he will sort of sort it out for you. Sign a copy, send it to you, everything. Uh, with Gary, um, you look at uh, the publishing company Morgan Lawrence, and on their website, and you'll find you will uh, find the book on there. Or you welcome also to email myself, which is J Brinders, B R I N D E R S, at yahoo.co.uk, and I will put you uh, in touch with Gary and. Again, the same service will be available. He will sign a copy and send it out to you personally. 
So, yeah, we, so these are two exciting projects. Terry's book has been around for, what, two and a half weeks now, something like that. Yeah. Gary's should be arriving any time. And uh, I just hope that people who read them get as much enjoyment out of it as I've got from writing it. Absolutely. And Morgan Lawrence, their website is .co.uk. And it's yeah. Lawrence, yeah, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. MorganLawrence.co.uk. And with Terry Curran, you can also get Terry's book from our uh, Curran View on Twitter right. or yeah. on Facebook, The Curran View. And TC is the easiest person to get hold of on uh, on his social medias. And that's how Terry is selling his book john it's been an absolute pleasure sir what's your next project before i let you go what you working oh, on dear. what oh, do you want to get subject. your teeth into next <laughs> <laughs> well well it, uh, at the moment it's a blank sheet of paper again uh, for where we were sort of a, a year ago because they the, the, the two books we've been talking about tonight have been done uh, the book with the with the box of Steve Ward is is also done from my point of view. We're just waiting for that to be produced. There's been irons in the fire, um, a couple of irons in the fire for for prominent people that have bitten the dust. And and with this uh, with this type of work, the majority of times that you approach someone, it's it's for one reason or another, it's not going to be possible. Mm-hmm. So. We're looking at the moment for new um, for new people to work with. Um, Morgan Lawrence, the associates with that, are also looking out for me. So you know, if there's any, I'm looking. Say not 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 yes, footballer, uh, but you know, a sportsman or somebody with a really good story. Uh, I'm very very welcome to to get in touch uh, if they want to. You know, sort of get that get that dream of getting a a, a story actually done, and that you know, very welcome to contact me at jbrinders at yahoo.co.uk and discuss it because you know, at this particular point, um, it's a blank sheet and we're starting again, so there's plenty of time. I think the current view sounds like a great running title for uh, for for a book. Based on does, based yeah. on the podcasts I'd, of Terry Curran yeah, yeah. and Gabby, we cover a lot of ground. So if you're doing yeah. nothing, mate, you know you can uh, you can have a look at one or two things. We've got the magic moments, and we do our topics of the week, and our book corners, and our time vaults, and there's lots of yeah. uh, pictures that we do behind the lens. So uh, you never know. I think there's been other books written from podcasts and it could be something going forward that you might want to yeah, look at. And My yeah. Life, My Music with the Governor Alan Hudson. There's some wonderful stories yeah, in there. What a legend he is, by the way. Oh, absolutely. And what a great, what a great guy. guy. In fact, yeah, in the latest current view, um, we do talk about Gary because Gary is the uh, topic of our latest time vault uh, on the uh, current view part 87 we've done 87 now with tc and i talked right. to alan about gary's time in seattle and it's a great oh, okay. listen and there are some wonderful stories you know an angle i was thinking of an angle for books the treatment room some of the disastrous 
treatment right. the players had in the 70s yeah. are incredible. Yeah. And and Odie yeah. spins a few of them, man. I'm in fits of laughter. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, you never know a dip a dip in dip out book. You know, one of those. Yeah. 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 Kind of in the uh, in 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 the comedy and the humorous pile, rather than the facts and the fiction, mind you. you know, <laughs> some of these football players, well, it's trying to work out what his teams are doing. Yeah, there's always room for humour in football, isn't there? I think football is about comedy and humour, and I love to yeah, read yeah. about those strange but true um, versions of, of, of things that happened, whether it be yeah. on the treatment table, whether it be at the training ground, whether it be at the boot room, whether it be at half-time, whether it be... Yeah. And I remember Ian Story more, just as we're going to finish off now, talking yeah. to me, I said, what was one of the strangest things that uh, you heard in a dressing room, Ian? He said, well, we were, we were playing a game, and uh, Jim Baxter had not the best of games. And the gaffer says, Jim, that was the worst performance I've ever seen from a professional footballer. And he <laughs> said, well, don't worry, Bob. There's plenty more of those where that come from. <laughs> 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 and he got his towel ready oh, when he went off to the shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, that diffused the situation well, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, what a yeah, what a great guy. What a great football he was, in fact, Jim Baxter. But, there are just yeah. so many football stories. And you know, and you know, and you know, Ian Moore. You just said you, what you said. Well, Ian Moore was a huge example of that. Yeah. He had an injury at Man United, where, which finished his career. Ligaments. Yeah. Which today they would have sorted it almost, you know, as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. It ended his career. And what a player and what a lovely man Ian Storymore is. And I tell you, I would love to read a book on Ian Storymore. I've done a podcast. I have asked. I I've believe me, I've asked. I've and done a podcast. It's obviously not something that, it's obviously something that Ian doesn't want to do, which is absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, he's the, he, he was a, a fantastic footballer. And, and say, just as importantly, a, fan, a great guy that, that oh, is, you know, instantly liked by everyone. Yeah, it's a shame, but it's maybe just a private, more of a private guy in, in essence. And it's, books are not for everyone, are they? No, an absolutely lovely, lovely man. And I just say to every pro that I interview, you know what, you should write a book. Because yeah, yeah. Every, I, yeah. I love listening to all the stories. I love reading the stories. And I think that every pro has a story and, and I agree and I think I agree. That all of those stories there, there's a there, there is a these days there is a real market there's there's, a, there's certainly are footballers out there who think you know they write they they write themselves off oh, no 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 nobody would be interested yeah, in that yeah. well actually yeah. there's yeah. a lot of people that are interested in that and that's what comes across from all the pros who'd want to read about me I do I would and there's thousands yeah, of people yeah, exactly. that would. And, and yeah, yeah. this is the thing when when people say, "Oh, then footballers, this, you know, they they're so much up their own backsides, etc., etc." Yeah, et a lot of them aren't, are and they? Then, no, a lot of them are not. Absolutely not. They're not at all. I go. Do you know no, what? Do you know what? You're an absolute legend, and and they still don't get it. I have met no. so many football players, and they said, "Do you know what? I didn't realise what you know how the fans perceived me." And there I'm you going, go. But you're a legend, yeah, yeah. and they they yeah. they don't they don't understand and they don't get it, and and if only the fans realised 
that do you know what? All they are are normal people that are just yeah. bloody good yeah. at football, but they're just yeah, yeah. normal people. Yeah. So on yeah. that note, sir, can I thank you so much for your time? All the best for the future and with these books. And we will thank reconvene you. shortly to talk oh, about excellent. your thank latest project. Thank you, Gabby. Watch this space. Thank you. Cheers, Thanks. Mucker. Thanks, Cheers. John. And thanks for listening. Good night. God bless. Ta-ra Superb. That's all that done, mate. You'll just cut that. Oh, there. excellent. Brilliant. You're happy, yeah? Yeah, fantastic, yeah, thank mate. You, I was, enjoyed was, doing it. That was really good. That's about an hour of, uh, of, of gold there. Chris will just do his little bit of magic and that'll be up, right. uh, up shortly. But yeah, right, you know, okay. if, if I hear of any player... Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll give him... Because um, obviously your sort of like geographical area is just... It's just still within my range. You know my, I mean? Mine's like, everywhere. Birmingham. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, although I'm Birmingham... Um, yeah. And I, I don't do much locally. I do more of my stuff out of town. Yeah. So I, I yeah. occasionally, very occasionally, willing to be a Birmingham City player. Very occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do a, a little bit with Bella, and then any yeah. anybody else that wants to. But I, I get mine mainly through Facebook and contacts of contacts, and I will say, Yeah, oh, yeah. Jimmy Greenoff, or do get me an interview with Jimmy Greenoff? You know, and he'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have a word. And and yeah. you know, Steve Perryman, I'm I'm gonna do my oh, next yeah. podcast. Yeah. With, with Steve, you know, there's, yeah. just, there's just so many great, great football people and players out there. Uh, um, Keith Burchin, that was a great interview I done with uh, Keith Burchin. Yeah, Keith Burchin, what a lovely man, and yeah, he's got yeah. some great stories as well, Keith. But again, yeah. they all they all have. But I just think the reticence of, of, of not wanting to do these things is that they just think, yeah, well, because who, I think, who'd I, buy I think perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Story I think nowadays, I know, I know. But I did, I did ask him because he was in my uh, Forest Legends book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I did ask him, and he's, he's, it's just not something for him. Um, it's a shame. Mm. Um, again, it might part, partly perhaps because he's like quite a private guy, but partly perhaps because again, you know, he doesn't quite sort of get how how interested people actually still are. No, because he's just a normal, regular, nice guy. Yeah. That's yeah, just, you yeah. know, I mean, it's like when I was interviewing him, I'm thinking like, fucking hell, I'm interviewing Ian Story more. You know, and he's like, yeah, yeah. it's just, just, they're just so normal. Yeah. And they don't, yeah. they just don't get it. But no, no. What, what a book that because, would be. Because you see, that they weren't, they weren't hyped as much as, as they are now, but were they? No, I mean, there's players that couldn't lace their boots and most of them are in the 70s now. But, you know, yeah, that's how yeah. brilliant these, yeah. that's how brilliant these players were. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And their memories should be recorded. And that's how I got on with TC. So I said, look, you need to have a, you know, an official account so people can yeah. look at the photographs of you and read the stories yeah. and that. You've got a book yeah. now. You can put it on there and you can sell it through your official accounts. But again, yeah, TC yeah, was local yeah. forward in the early days because they yeah. do, they don't think that the football fan is that interested, but they are. Well, and I think there's a massive, yeah, they are. Yeah, there's a massive yeah, market, are. I think, John, for uh, for the older ones now as well. 
you know, yeah, the, the, the Maverick is. kind of players that, that we yeah, will always yeah. remember and love. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for that, I mate. Mean, um, Sorry, go on. Especially, especially when you support a team like we, like I do, that like, you know, it, you know, you get more enjoyment out of thinking about some of the past people than you do what you're seeing now. A lot more. Well, I mean, you so look like, at my same like Birmingham City yeah, on a Friday night we went down to um, Nottingham and there was like a Stuart Pearce evening. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, that was a hell of a lot more enjoyable than watching Forest play the following day. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, I mean, the Forest are a bit of an extreme, really, from that point of view, aren't they? Sort of like the success of the past contrasted with the present is, is like massive. I think so, you can so always you be victims of your own success, and I think all teams yeah, do yeah, that. And I've yeah. are literally victims of it, and uh, and Forrest yeah. is a prime example. It'll it'll happen to Leicester in the next few years. There'll come a time when Leicester, you know, Leicester will be about halfway in the Premier League, and fans will be going, "Oh, the manager should be sacked," and yeah. you know, like it's, uh, we're no good. We're we was a humdrum side, and so somebody will say, somebody will say to him, "Hold on a minute, hold on a minute." Most most years in Leicester City's history, they've not been in the first division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, like because they won the league and they've won the FA Cup now. You know, they they won't be Leicester won't be like a top side. They won't be top of the tree in ten years time. Uh, but they but they'll be like you know sort of a good side. But they won't be they won't they won't match this in ten years time. No, because it's you know no, they it, won't. it is what it is. And it going to get out fighting. Cats yeah. are fighting in the kitchen there, little fuckers <laughs> they are. Right, so I'm going to anyway, it's been really good fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really yeah. enjoyable, mate. But as I say, if, yeah. um, if I find out any player um, yeah, yeah. that yeah. wants to, because you know, as you said, it's not, it's not a Nottingham thing. It isn't a Leicester. They're trying to expand. And, um, yeah. Yeah, you know we're we're making some decent contacts. They got um the, the the company itself has actually got is working at the moment on um Malcolm Christie, okay, uh, and him, Daddy yeah. Wilson, okay, Daddy Wilson, but but that's being done by Wilson. sorry, I don't remember Wilson. Too much. No, Danny Wilson, Danny Wilson, former Sheffield Wednesday manager. Oh, Danny Wilson, yeah, I remember him, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So, but it's 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 a guy called Matthew Mann who's working on it. Oh, well, he, he, um, he shares quite a few things, Matthew does. Yeah, yeah. Well, you say you might want to you might want to put him on at some point. So he's done what he's done. He's done. He's done. Uh, he did a general Leicester City one. Yeah. He did a. He did. He's done Barry Pierpoint's life. Um, yeah. Life story. And he's he's just been working on Julian Joachim. Uh, which he's finished. Yeah. And I think that's virtually produced. Yeah. Virtually published. And he's trying to get uh, uh, Jamie Lawrence finished, which is not easy because yeah, he's not cooperating. Yeah. Not. But he's on with these other two. So he's, he's been extremely busy. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. He's, um, so he's, he's sort of um, got Leicester City roots in there. But, um, you know, he, he's, he's sort of, it's um, just those are, those are, Sort of the initial contacts. It's not going to be like a, you know, sort of a publishing house for all Leicester City and Forest yeah. stories in the future. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, could be anyone. But he'll uh, he'll he'll share this, no doubt, Matthew. And I'll just say, if you fancy doing one about Julian and a, again a, a general chat about 
you know, other titles that you've, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. you've written. Yeah, yeah. But you know me, mate, I'll help anyone. Anyone that wants yeah. to do a podcast and what have you, I'll yeah, yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. You'll like to. You'll, you'll get on with him. He's, he's a nice, he's quiet, but he's a nice guy, yeah. Brilliant. Nice guy. Brilliant. Right, I've put my uh, my chicken ding curry on. Oh, very good idea. I've run yeah. me bath, so I'm going to have that, and I'm going to have get a, in a chill out. I've got to have my food first. <laughs> <laughs> right, right so we'll then, soon. Definitely. Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers, thanks for your time, okay. John. Appreciate bye. it. Yes. Bye. Cheers, bye. mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>